Hi. <laughs> Is this uh, the way we're going to start every time now? Yes. Uh, Great. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back to um, Hide or Practice. Episode two. So what are we going to talk about today? Today we're talking about structures. Structures. What sort of structures? I think there's so many different kinds, but I think there's the bigger structure that we all live and work within, and depending on our chosen vocations, there's the structures we give ourselves in our lives, and then there's the structures we give ourselves in our own practices, and they all have good and bad aspects. But I think that they're important to recognize so you can take advantage and minimize the bad and maximize the good. What do you think about structures, Erica? Um, From what I hear, I think you're saying that it's sort of like the background, mid-ground, and foreground, if you're going to have this three-layer system, um, or the micro, meso, macro way of looking at things. (laughs) he's a nerd now both (laughs) Um, of us but I really I think it's really useful when we put things around or I guess like put boxes around names I think in therapy they call it name it to tame it when you have certain emotions in order for you to understand sort of like what's happening in, Mm -hmm. in your mental landscape and um I think it's really interesting to, as a maker, I was so frustrated with this idea of structures or criteria that you had to fit into because during my undergrad, it would be a lot of, well, what, what do you make? And I can't do anything 2D for the life of me. I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't do anything, basically. <laughs> it looks like a, two, a two-year-old child basically can do better than me. And actually any of my friends who have seen what my drawings look like can vote for this, like true, true fact. Um, but it took me a, a really long time to understand why things are put into groups or you silo them or the function of why these criteria or these structures exist. And I think one of my supervisors said it really well is that they are blunt tools, but in order for you to be able to classify things, you need to be able to go and put these boxes around things for you to understand sort of what's happening because everyone participates in some form of structure, whether you like it or not. Like sometimes we just don't have a choice. If you're a human being, you're participating right. in society and society has rules and frameworks and structures. But I definitely remember as a young art student i was so frustrated because making installations it was a cross between culture architecture and art and it was a really difficult conversation to have because it wasn't just oh i'm making conceptual work or oh i'm a painter it's like i make site-specific public installations 
which was just a bit like, hmm, so where do I fit in? How do I look for grants? And oh my God, the grant process was just, you know, in like 2005 was just, don't forget about it. You know, like no one's going to give you a grant when you do that type of work because that multidisciplinary training just was not part of the conversation at that time or if it was it was very limited it's definitely not what it's like in 2020 right so you know that's sort of me being i think at the time i really felt like i was pigeonholed in terms of having to fit within a structure however now that i'm older i understand why the structures exist and what they do and how actually is very useful if you're able to list what the structures are Mm -hmm. what do you think no i agree i think that like being because it is hard to get it's easy to get pigeonholed and it's easy to you know knee-jerk reaction interpret an existing structure as a pigeonhole but i think that when you can recognize the structure that you're in and test those limits and explore where those edges are you can grow and build a foundation that can be really strong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like, you know, testing the limits of like the art, like the art world is a structure, you know, what's, what does it mean to have gallery representation? What does it mean to have an art dealer? What does it mean to have a secondary market? What does the auction world mean in terms of the market prices of, you know, the gallery world? What's the difference between, the museum world and those kind of curators and a curator at a gallery, like what knowing what those things are and the difference of like how that could affect your practice or your career. Like for me as a career, cause I'm definitely I want everyone to know who's listening to this, that I'm not an artist. Uh, I don't do any kind of art on my own. Uh, some at one article quoted me. She also gardens. Like I'm not, an artist oh a getty curator told me once that i took nice instagram pictures so that's something guys check out that gram (laughs) you you have you have an eye shall we call it that yeah thank thank you i'll take that um but i'm not an artist but i like i do live on the admin side i do live on the dealing side i do live on the curating side and i having like recognizing what those structures are and what that would mean for my career i started in galleries and is that what I want? What does it mean to be a dealer? What does it mean to sell art? What does it mean to support an artist with gallery shows and finding um, collectors and finding museum placements or collection placements? What does it mean to be at an auction house and work with those kind of collectors and those kind of collections, etc.? was really important, not only to figure out where I wanted to go, but also in terms of what was possible and where I could push my own boundaries. So when I finally came to, you know, most recently with Megan, our curatorial partnership softcore, it felt really good to be able to see after all of these years of putting on events and putting on, you know, working for these different people that I can, there's no difference between me and the, galleries that put on an exhibition except for the fact that they have a permanent space um but i also have an emailing list and i also have artist connections and i also can find this space for a smaller amount of time and i can put on a great show um 
and the quality and satisfaction that I get out of that and the exposure to the artists and the community I'm building is still technically within this structure, but without learning about where, what that structure was initially, I don't know if I would have felt as comfortable doing those kind of things and kind of pushing those edges and experimenting in that way. Uh, or maybe I would have felt as confident in knowing that this is a valid pursuit um, as say, you know, having, cause I know that when I was younger, I would have thought, you know, it's the only people who can put on the shows are the, are the established galleries, but, or like a museum. And so learning about those things was, probably helped to, you know, push me into like those kind of realms. And then also learning about, you know, what is, what does it mean for an artist or an institution or a, you know, whoever to participate in something and what can that mean for their practice and what can that mean for their career and their community and knowing that what if I were to put on a worthwhile event that it does help for, or it can help if they want to see it that way, uh, another artist's career and other spaces, you know, showing and helping, you know, expose people that way. And that it's, that it is a worthwhile just because it's a little bit on the outside or maybe it's not as traditional as some of the exhibition spaces. So like learning about where those edges were, definitely helped and then i think also and this is probably like back to the science stuff is that learning about like in my own practice and in my own i'm a practice my career uh in my own career in my own life that when i put on these structures and these parameters is actually when i personally thrive the most if you give me you know you have to do x and y by next month and Deadlines. this is your, yeah if you give me a deadline and give me a yeah. budget like i that's when i'm like great this is when my mind my creativity explodes if you give me no deadline and no budget and no parameters i will sit there and just like that is so interesting um and i'm gonna touch on this point mm -hmm. in a little bit but when you were talking about how you are or you were implementing i'm gonna call them rules um, and in my dissertation, I specifically labeled it as explicit rules and implicit rules. So mm -hmm. whether they are very widely known or, and everybody it's written down and everyone has access to it, or is the implicit rules, which are just people know within the industry. Um, but it's never, you will never actually find it in writing. I'm nodding again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's where it becomes understanding and being able to name it to tame it is really useful mm -hmm. because straddling between the explicit and implicit rules it's sort of exactly what it is that you're saying is you understood the structures that galleries have created and these structures are having a mail list putting on shows doing certain things and there's a quote-unquote formality that everybody followed because that was what was the standardization within the industry. However, you added on a layer of flexibility, which means you didn't necessarily sign on a lease. And this might become 
this sounds very businessy, which is also, I think, very important to understand, which is you didn't have the same overhead costs. Maybe. You didn't have a permanent staff that you had to go and pay. You didn't have a lease. You didn't have to sign the contracts. You weren't liable for the same things, even if you had a similar structure as what galleries would in terms of having a mail list, putting on shows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really as really interesting to be able to go and work within, I think what you just said, like the boundaries and knowing what those boundaries are. And it's almost as if that in itself is very much what art practices are like. You're questioning things and you're pushing the boundaries to really understand where you fit, what your role is, what your value is, what you bring to the table. Like that for me is huge. And as to, you know, when I speak with art students and early career artists is to really say, well, what, where do you fit in? Because that's a, that's a really large hurdle to really understand. And I think within the entrepreneurship industry, that's sort of what they would call product market fit. What is that? Um, And it takes a lot of trial and error. And that's why we go to art school is because you're developing your craft. Um, And then to your point about how you thrive working with deadlines, I, I think, you know, if I put my artist maker hat on is you, when you have endless, freedom it almost doesn't work i think it touches on the idea of because you have to challenge something or you're motivated by some sort of emotion and when you don't have those it's like you you don't really understand or like for me personally i can't speak for like every artist in this human in in this world but you need something to respond to or you need something to react against or whatever and so i totally understand when you say give me a deadline and i will perform and you will thrive because you need some sort of boundary or limitation to work within and then at the same time also push against right and i think even in like you know our biggest like art world fantasy of like you know even i have like artist fantasies of i have a you know ginormous property and endless you know no money constraints and i can make some you know big fu sculptures every day right um just like really like live that like lifestyle um but even when you find artists who are doing that and there are some um not necessarily all have like the endless financial but they'll have the space and they'll have that kind of practice but there is still a structure they're setting up where Mm -hmm. they're going to their space and they're working for four hours and then Mm -hmm. they have lunch and then Mm -hmm. they're working for two hours and then they read or they're doing whatever you know there's still even though there's an operational rhythm exactly and they're a practice yeah right from the outside it feels Mm -hmm. potentially like endless freedom Mm -hmm. but there's still a structure in place Mm -hmm. and even though it's smaller it's much more personal and it's you know it's like those kind of rhythms that you can get where you can like push against things and push against your yesterday and push against your boredom or your anxiety or your you know frustration with you know your fantasy sculpture painting whatever it is i don't know (laughs) what do you guys do 
<laughs> comes out, right? Um, but, you know, if you have those like little things, even, you know, I would think even for just if you've got a nine to five job, you know, it's so easy to be really productive from like 4.30 to 5 p.m. because you know you want to get out of there and you want to get that to-do list done. And it's like, oh, boom, you know, and it's like such a crazy productivity thing. But even that is a small structure you can place on yourself and you're pushing against it in terms of like your capabilities and your limits and your, you know, drive. And I think even those smaller ones are, can be really important because again, like you were saying, like that freedom, I mean, it can almost be like daunting because where are you, if you have an open plane in front of you and you're supposed to go somewhere and you're like, well, I've got 180 degrees of choices or 360 degrees of choices, mm. but you're like, oh no, I want to go to that mountain. Okay, great. Yeah. That's the direction the you've chosen. Choice, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I think um, so much of this topic almost sounds like it's contradictory Mm -hmm. and i think that understanding how to navigate the art world it really a lot of times it really is working within the contradiction and knowing how to have your feet in both or multiple even more than just two structures sometimes is really useful because the art world is not black and white no it's many many it's a broad spectrum so understanding where and how to go and operate in that is i don't know i don't think useful is a good word is what would you say it's um it gives you a more clearer picture. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, especially during such uncertain times where everyone sort of right now is. So do you think it's reinventing yourself or are we pivoting? Are we managing crisis? Because I, at this point, the world has been closed for so long. First just was Asia and then it was Europe and now it's the States, but the States now somehow is opening back up. And so can't talk about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I see, you know, there's also a lot of development mm-hmm. um, in China opened a new museum. I don't know if you know that in Beijing. They I opened did not. a new museum. They opened oh. a new museum. Um, I think it was last week. Uh, you know, I just got an email for a new fair in Taipei mm-hmm. that is happening on May 2nd. And I'm making there... a face. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm making it. Oh, that's news face. <laughs> you guys can't see it. That's good. There's, there are, and we were just talking about this as well. It's that there's the platform in LA, which I think brings us to. What did you see and what did you read this week? That is, yes, because that platform. Or what did you hear? Is it, what, what did you hear and what did you read this week? Because you can't, you can't physically go outside and see. You can't so see what did you hear mm-hmm. and what did you read this week? Um, I, so this is, so there's a new platform in LA that's going to be opening in May, which feels like a thousand years, but I think it's next week. Yes. Um, and 
what is time? What are dates? Uh, who is Julius Caesar? I don't know. That's not true. But the it's a lot of different galleries of different, you know, for lack of a better word, status, major galleries, Deitch and Gagosian and, you know, big guys, and then smaller and medium tier galleries here in LA. And they're all getting together and they're doing one large platform. And I'm really intrigued to see what happens with that. Um, I'm curious about the backend admin because I'm a dork of like, you know, are people having to share email lists? Are they not? Is it, you know, what's the cut if someone's paying more for the infrastructure of the web posting or the, you know, transactions? Does that mean they get a portion of your sale if something comes in from your gallery specifically? Um, I'm nodding a lot. Or like if it's a collector from, you know, Larry going to, you know, a smaller gallery, does he get a cut because it's like a finder's fee? I don't know. Um, or is it just you get a cut if it's one of your artists that you put up? And this is, and that's just how it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. Uh, don't get I think me wrong. That's really interesting because um, that also goes into this. What I was thinking about within that structure is so what is going to be sold? Mm -hmm. what is going to be posted is it actually artist driven or is it artwork driven because right. in order for you to have an online platform and for images to look a certain way is that is it again going to be photography because right. what you see on a screen with a digital print probably is going to have less um, what's the word I'm looking for? Deviation is not deviation. Um, yeah, it's kind of deviation. Just deviation. Well, it's hard. It's, like a it's, you know? it's less subtlety of, mm -hmm. of a work, you know, not mm -hmm. saying that photography can't be subtle, but it's a lot easier to translate the impression of a, photo a photograph online or a digital piece than it is some sort of resin based oil painting. Absolutely. You know, just by lack of what, you know, your computer screen can translate. Um, and also depending on your screen itself as well, like mm -hmm. how that's calibrated. Oh my and so gosh. that, you know, color, like, just even color yeah. from one photograph yeah. from a phone and to textures an and being able mm -hmm. to capture texture adequately. That isn't going to be however many pixels, you know, like those things are all limitations. And I suppose we can also say that that, that is a structure where, yeah, this is a new Ad, structure that we've had. Yeah, that admin needs to, to go and fit within as well, isn't it? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to go and operate within this structure of the gallery system. But at the same time, like, if you're really drilling it down is, well, what type of work? How are you going to drive the work? Is it what is it a price point thing? Is it an artist thing? Is it a gender thing? Like, what actually is it that's going to go and get you the sale at the end of the day, but it has to translate onto screens. Exactly. That'd be across the galleries. Is it, or is it each gallery going to have their own little, like, is it going to be more like a gallery walk? Like, are we mm -hmm. trying to copy kind of a social, what we used to have of a Friday night openings where mm -hmm. you could hit, you know, and depending on your mm -hmm. location, five galleries in a night and it'd be great. And it's just like, Oh, look, well, this is what this person has. And this is what that person has, or is it going to be more like, we're trying to make one big hole of we're all going to and you know everything the theme is 
quarantine for is again i'm so creative um you know and then it's people everybody is doing artworks about isolation i don't know mm -hmm. and that's exciting or freedom my, is, is my bar for excitement really low right now yes um but it doesn't mean i'm not taking it and but i'm curious to see what because this is it this is where they're existing they're adjusting they're working within this new structure and it's not just their own online you know zwarner's been doing it with other galleries in new york um and that's been really interesting to see things coming in from zwarner that are not zwarner works um and so i'm excited about la and again i think i'm not surprised that la is doing this first really mm -hmm. because again this is what we talked about a little bit last week you know this kind of open landscape of you know what's possible um and again i think also because we don't have as ingrained of like structures and impressions of how things should be like new york or europe even that you know we're not rallying against something as ingrained as like you know every galleries kind of doing their own thing here it's just more like hey man we're all in this together and we're just trying to get the la world to be interested in art which is not a bad thing uh so that's that's what i'm i'm in particularly like curious to see how that kind of goes and curious to see how much transparency we're going to see through that of like what kind of sales are going to be made if we're going to hear anything about like new people coming in like cross-pollination of galleries and collectors um how that's going to translate also the international aspect of it. I mean, it's kind of interesting because long-term I'm very curious about how shipping and insurance is going to translate yeah, for these galleries. Like, and that's a are completely you, different structure different thing. together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cause how are you supposed to get a piece if you bought it in LA and you don't live in LA? Um, I mean, even if you live in LA and you have, I mean, I've got pieces for collectors that are in LA that I cannot get and I don't mm -hmm. know when I'm going to get them it's understanding now but it's also like a little bit kind of frustrating because we'd like something new and we'd like that art but so it'll be interesting how that goes and i'm i'm excited because i do feel like it's it's to me this and zwerner to a different degree are like the most interesting social translations of like our translations of the structures that we had before into a new kind of you know that's the nice thing about gallery hopping and doing those kind of walks is that you get to see something immediately next to something else from a different perspective and you kind of get those juxtapositions and you get those conversations that coming up that come up in your head and i think that's really important when you're looking for art even for yourself just to purchase i mean yes there's people that you want and have in your collection for sure but it's if it's done well, I think this could be really nice. And I hope everyone, I just really, I'm really optimistic about it. Well, I think it's, it's a, it's a really good point to segue into what we're going to talk about next week in mm -hmm. terms of the structures, what is going to happen with this new platform in LA um, and touching on all the all the structures or the pigeonholing that we had talked about is it going to be a representation or are artists going to be more quote unquote featured based on gender based on types of work based on price points what maybe it's all of it mm -hmm. but actually on a more macro general sense the etiquette mm -hmm. what is the etiquette or is there even 
are there even etiquettes to participate when you're looking at something on screen? Or what is the etiquette when you are uploading these types of work or you're engaging with a gallery within a platform? Who, who are you actually speaking to? What sort of, what sort of position are you taking? How do you actually navigate something that is sort of slightly different? At the same time, sort of also not different because this is similar to artsy, isn't it? Right. Right. So instead of artsy, it's just Zwerner is putting their name and I don't know if that makes them more liable. I don't know. Maybe they are um, in terms of credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it almost reads as though Swerner is this really big umbrella and could be in competition with Artsy. Right. Or Basel. So I guess our, our Basel Hong Kong, since that was that really is the only one that happened this year, but the entire thing that has been shifted online and they are the overarching umbrella and all the galleries go and pay to be part of the fair. Right. And instead of being in a fair structure or being an online auction structure, Zwerner has now made an online gallery structure. Mm-hmm like a mega a mega gallery structure i don't have the words to call it. maybe people like maybe it's been called something but it's been labeled as something but I, i'm not familiar with it um and so what is the etiquette to go and and be part of that right because i know that my etiquette personally is not good when it comes to like engaging with these fairs so we can talk Anyways. about that next week Oh, well, just because the, I know that you're supposed to go through the fair and the website and go through and see what the piece is and click inquire and I don't, I don't oh, want so to do that. So there is a structure to the etiquette. Oh, there's a structure to the etiquette and I hate it. And um, I find it very difficult to navigate as a collector in a much different way than like the fair, like the social structure of a fair, of going to a fair and shopping um, mm-hmm. is did not translate for me personally to the fair online situation. Um, and because if I go to a booth and I talk to a person and mm-hmm. I get a card or I get whatever, and it's like, this is great. I like these three things. Um, do you have anything else by that artist too? send me everything that you've got? Let's like figure this out. But with the fair online structure, it's, from what I've seen, it's like, okay, you like this one painting from this one gallery, you hit inquire, it automatically pops up a mail platform on my computer that I don't like to use. I have to close that out. I have to copy the email. I have to go into the email or I have to send out an email through their online thing. That's, you know, just the auto populates your email and stuff. And then you only get information about that one piece. And by the time I get an email back about that one piece, I've already forgotten what piece I've looked at. I've forgotten the three other pieces of the gallery that I also was interested in. So when they get back to me about the price and availability, I have to go back to the website and like, look it all up. And in the long scheme of things, is this a lot of work? No, it's tedious. Um, 
it's cumbersome. It's, it's cumbersome, and it's and it's yeah. hard for me to the spontaneous beauty of going to a fair or going to a gallery and discovering something wonderful and getting excited about it and getting information and, you know, hopefully getting that to a collector is gone. Um, because by the time I've gotten to the information to the gallery of like, okay, I like artist A, B, and C, can you send me what you have is there's 17 steps. And that's... I get it, and I'm going to counter that. Please. So as somebody who writes surveys to collect data, <laughs> it, this is sort of because there are, again, limitations. So, you know, like what I was talking about at the beginning is that these siloing or pitching, they are, there's a format as to why that happens. And it's, it's a logic jump thing. So the limitations, therefore, only gives you so much. So because you're experiencing this online and there's, you know, like your computer and your clicks can only jump to so many things. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between speaking to a human and right. being able to go and get that feedback and speaking with a computer or to a computer or using a computer to speak to another computer. Mm -hmm. The logic jump can only do so many things. And I think right. what you're you're finding to be clunky is actually what's really interesting is what we would think it's streamlining right how to get you to for the gallery to get the sale right but it's not streamlined even though it's super streamlined exactly. because now you're now you are clicking 17 things instead of speaking to this person who is able to therefore actually just directly process what it's that you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that again is the other side of looking at this is the contradiction is, you know, I think we so love to say things are good or bad and having that comparative analysis, mm -hmm. but really it's like being able to see things in a multidimensional way is really helpful because mm -hmm. then you you're frustrated, but you understand the limitations. Right. So therefore you're more patient True. and, and then therefore you're just saying, okay, there's, this is a limitation because of computers. Right. Um, I now understand because we are now all in lockdown. And I think, you know, there's a certain level of mindfulness, shall we call it that mm -hmm. we understand that that's how we have to work within the structure of this very uncertain period. The etiquette may change. Um, with time. And that's definitely something that we can talk about next week. Yes, I think so. I love it. Um, so until next time, I am Alexis Hyde. You can find me on various platforms at Hyde or Die, H-Y-D as in David, E or Die, D-I-E, like death, um, or AlexisHyde.com. And my- I'm Erica. Mm -hmm. I'm Erica Wong. You can also find me and actually Alexis both together on my Slack channel. Um, yeah. So and we'll put that link in the blurby. Yes, definitely in link in bio. I think that's the yeah. what they call it. Yeah. Um, so yes, there is a Slack channel and you can, 
actually participate within the To Practice a Practice, which is my platform, um, and be part of the community to have this larger conversation to understand sort of where people are coming from. And next week, we have Tim Schneider for what he heard and read this week and giving us a little insight about uh, his wonderful thing. So Tim Schneider is a business writer for Artnet and is brilliant and funny. And if you don't check out his gray market, which is also in the bio. Oh, he's so good. He's I so look good. forward to his writing it's every week. Every week. Because he has such a unique and interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really, I really look forward to his writing. Yes. I always want to see what he's talking about that week. I know he always has the has the really interesting angle and it really it's really nice because talk about data like he comes in mm. hard with the data and he it seems to be very open with it and which is really great because he's changed my mind on things so many mm. times because he comes in and i'm just like yep that's that's the good stuff oh it's I'm the good stuff going here. i'm super excited that's yeah so we'll see you hear you talk to you next week yeah. and get in touch with us so get in touch with us at like, hide subscribe. or practice at gmail.com everything's in the bio and yeah all right until next time later later bye, bye.